0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and
1: let's get to pumping, cause it's three days of time, baby. Rip City is jumping now. Okay, Brindle, up the middle. Oh. Oh. Right. Come on,
0: everybody! All right, everybody, welcome to the 184th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I'm Dustin here in Rip City, and I
1: got my man Sage chilling here at my mom's house in Southern Oregon, and uh. Man, I'm recording from my laptop, which I'm not very confident in. So, yeah, we're we're out here, and uh, man, happy holidays, my friend. Yeah, man, and recording on a Monday because Monday Sunday.
0: before Christmas Eve. I mean, we're really we're really in this.
1: Yeah, man, I'm 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 excited. There's a there's a game where a lot of our Blazers can get their ceiling games tonight, and I'm pretty excited about that. But, uh, I
0: mean, we were supposed to record last night, but uh, a family knocked on the door at like 8.30, and there was just a husky roaming the, 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 the neighborhood, and it was soaked, and they're like, hey, is this your dog? And I was like, no, and I, you know, I don't know anybody in the neighborhood who, who has. I've never seen that dog before, and they looked like they were going to take care of it. So I was like, okay, you know, they've got it. I, you know, closed the door, went back to what I was doing. And then literally 30 seconds later, I see them walking the other way through my door and I open the door and ask them, hey, did you guys find the owner? No, the dog took off and uh, they're just, they just—they basically passed the buck. So Olga and I, in the rain, go out and search this dog. And, you know, we find him, but it, I mean, it's, it's taken off. You know, I... And I just felt horrible because I should have just took it in right away and, and just said, I'll handle it. So that's the last of that. Next time, Dustin is just going to handle his shit on his own. Don't trust others to get shit done that you can do yourself. Moral of the story. Did you find and the dog's the owner? No, the dog took off. We, we we tracked him down a bit, but he was pretty spooked. Oh, yeah. Um, and he he just he took off. We we, we we couldn't get him, but he was very friendly. Um. Obviously, huskies don't just roam the streets, so I'm hoping that somebody picked him up, and was able to, you know, at least take him in and and take care of him. If, if not, find finding his, his 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 owner. But you know, that's on the owner too. Like, put a collar on your dog. Yeah, you don't have a. I mean, come on, come on. People. Aren't aren't huskies
1: like really people want huskies? Yes. Why would you, yes. why wouldn't you put the the precaution of I'm going to put this dog's address his name i'm gonna put you know my, my
0: phone my beeper my pager my email my fax number wherever you want you can contact me to find this animal but so yeah that that kept me up i had to be up at five for work so thankfully we were able to to get this recording in before the game tonight before the holiday sage what have you been what have you been up to in southern oregon
1: uh I know I annoyed my mom. She likes watching uh Home and Garden and I was just busy talking about how lame this shit is and continually watching it with her for like I think we binged 3 hours of it and it was just me complaining about how lame this shit is. Why are you watching it? <laughs> and then we just ended up watching it for a few hours. I'm I'm dog, I got delayed for a few hours so my uh my first day in Southern Oregon was what the fuck's open at 9 p.m. for dinner nothing all right carl's in, in and out yeah carl's jr i was like all right this is the one place that's open near like where the airport is what the fuck i mean that's that's southern oregon for you my man that, that, i mean shit it ain't just southern oregon it's like small towns yo they close yeah. down at nine but yeah so
0: it, it... So what are you looking forward to? So, But you're home, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anything for the holidays that your your mom's making that, you, that you're just looking forward to eating or drinking?
1: Uh, we, my mom and I have discussed our love for bread pudding, and we are going to create bread pudding, I think, tomorrow. So I'm pretty hyped about that. Bread pudding is a just... very underrated dessert, but it's very... Oh,
0: absolutely. Olga crushed an apple pie bread pudding on Thanksgiving. It was immaculate. I mean, you
1: you turn stale bread into delicious dessert. Like, that's high-quality shit. It's so
0: good. It is so comforting. Um, Olga baked up a storm on Saturday and Sunday. We had double chocolate peppermint cookies and then eggnog cookies with eggnog icing. Both fantastic. I had a couple before we recorded this episode, so I'm ready to go. I also stopped by the liquor store, had to get some, some vodka to make eggnog white russians also a very key to any holiday season so ready to go going to the game tonight recording this podcast the blazers are on a four game win streak they are in the playoffs if the playoffs ended today had a great week where they defeated the phoenix suns on the road by one 111 110 dame Dalla came up clutch with the and one defeated the golden state warriors 122 112 took care of the magic, 118-103, followed it up the following night without Carmelo Anthony and handled business against the Minnesota Timberwolves, 113-106. Sage, our Trailblazers are now 14-16 in the Western Conference, 8-6 at home and firmly in control of the eighth seed with eyes on the Thunder and Jazz as we head into the new year, looking like we're going to make a move up these Western Conference standings. Uh, my man,
1: what stood out to you this week? Us getting wins against team, you know, they they mess with our emotions. Each team had their run, but we followed through and got the run back. And man, like, just getting wins is a good change, consistent wins, because there's plenty of teams that we should have beat the shit out of and then, for whatever reason, didn't. At least we weren't doing that earlier in the season and people were
0: complaining, so now when we're doing it, people are like, Oh, that's no big deal. No 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 no. You can't have it both ways. Mm. That that's not how this shit works. Yes, we only have two wins against plus five hundred teams, but we were losing games like this all throughout November and December. So
1: it's good to see actual wins take place instead of tough, heartbreaking losses. Um I mean, Damian Lillard's been looking real fantastic these last few games, and uh, like, take—he's he, more aggressive with the shot, and that I think that's key for us—is having good production from Dame and CJ, who's been putting up numbers as well. And then, obviously, Hassan—they—they
0: they were doing some special, special stuff during this four-game stretch, especially against Golden State and Orlando. Uh, Dame had 31 and 36 in those games respectfully, uh, while CJ put up 30 and 31. I believe they became only the second pair of Trailblazers to ever go back-to-back 30-plus games. And that's when we're at our best, is when our best players are able to complement one another. Obviously, the knock has always been one goes off, the other just kind of stands off in the corner, and then they kind of rotate. But Dame said it, I think it was after the Golden State game, Basically, like, I'm always looking to see when I can get him opportunities because we both need to go. And I think that's what we're seeing with this team, with Nurk out, with Rodney out, with with Mello out these last couple of games, that they know the burden of the offense has to fall on them and they they have to deliver. And really, that's what they did. I think Dame set the tone with that strong second half in Phoenix. Um, That and one was just something we needed i think if we dropped that game uh we may have even stubbed our toe one of these three upcoming home games but for us to just finally get up get, get get over the hump on the road you know we held that game throughout they hit the four point play to go up and you kind of just felt like oh here we go again but basically cleared out Dame goes to work, gets the and one. Phoenix even tried to review the call, but it was clearly a blocking foul. He slid in under Dame. Dame converts like the the clutch player he is, and he has really led the charge. But, you know, Sage, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about CJ McCollum either. Heading into, uh, I believe, the game on Friday, he had led the league in blocks for, for guards. He had 23 blocks and he's holding opponents to about 35% shooting from the field. And he had a really great take on his pull-up podcast that said, in essentially his own words, because I'm so good on offense, they have to find ways to kind of knock me down a bit. They say I'm a small guard. You know, I'm 6'4", 200 plus pounds. You know, I'm. they say I'm a bad defender, because of trying to find ways to nitpick my game. And you know, I've noticed that he has been getting in there, rebounding the basketball. He had seven boards, six assists against Phoenix, eight boards, four assists against Orlando. He has definitely
1: improved his Yeah, the the, the peripheral stats.
0: Exactly, like you mentioned. I mean, he had three steals against uh Minnesota, just hitting clutch plays after clutch plays. Uh, Really, what we've needed from CJ from from the jump this season, but he does look like he's getting into his bag. You go back to the Phoenix game, fifty-five percent shooting. Golden State, fifty-eight. Orlando, sixty. Drop back down to thirty-five against Minnesota, but he hit he hit buckets when we needed him to. And basically, all that matters is we got Mm -hmm. the win at the end of the day. And those two have been leading the charge. And to me. They both need to make the all-star team. Uh, team records be damned. We have had too many outside factors that have prevented us from moving up in the standings. And it's ridiculous in a sense that they want to have two captains pick the teams, yet they're still doing West and East in terms of the top 12 from each conference. Well, regardless of how they're going, Dame and CJ need to make that roster, Sage, because without them, we may have one or two victories. Yes, yeah.
1: I-, I think the main issue that I think we've had, and statistically showing, like, C.J. McCollum is scoring dependent, and you can name a lot of factors. He, he is smaller as a guard, but when he's contributing in assists, uh, you know, assists, rebounds, stocks, blocks, deals, he is making this team extraordinarily better, and it's way more, like, we, we've talked about it, like, We send one rebounder in, Hassan Whiteside, and he has to battle against three or four opposing players. When you send your guards in and your wings in to get rebounds, it helps us out. CJ getting seven rebounds is huge, and it doesn't happen much. But when it does, you have to shout him out for the effort. Because with seven blocks, man, that's like the second best rebounder on our team.
0: I mean, we need all the help we can get, especially playing Melo as a small ball four, not having much depth behind him, um, really any bigs. It's, it's Scal, Melo, and Hassan as our bigs. And so anytime we can get the guards in to help out, that makes everybody's life easier. You know, we're not a great defensive team as currently constructed. So inviting the opposition to get continuous looks at the, at the rim on a single position is just a, a recipe for disaster. And one that we had had previously seen from the Blazers, especially when they play good teams. Now now that's going to be the knock on this team. OKC finally is above 500. So that gives us our second 500 win of, of the season, along with that game in October against the Mavericks, but the Blazers have not been able to perform well against good teams. And this week they're going to see a, a test. Um, Aside from New Orleans, they travel to Utah to play the day after Christmas. The day after Christmas is going to be a tough game regardless regardless of who you're playing because you're traveling on Christmas Day and you've got other things on your mind. And then they've got the Lakers on Saturday, a team that embarrassed them probably about three weeks earlier, and obviously that's the game where Rodney tore his his Achilles. So the Blazers, while they're on the right track, I don't think anybody's throwing them a championship parade or feeling super great about where they're at. We feel good, especially given the circumstances of the season, but we're still, I think, as a fan base in see it to believe it mode when it comes to Portland playing against you know a really good team and in the case against the Lakers, an elite mm-hmm. team, because we just haven't fared well over the course of 48 minutes against those teams. We played them for two quarters, sometimes three, but we haven't played a full 48 uh sage do you think that's going to to happen or is it just gonna be we're gonna have to feast on the sub 500s to stay I, afloat until you think that back? the
1: lakers are just like the exact wrong team to go against if we're looking for wins i mean here's our big rotation hassan Mello, scow anthony Tolliver, and moses brown like can you name a worse big rotation than that? The reason we're like, Hassan's absolutely killing it, but who else is absolutely killing it in that big rotation? Like we're we're rocking guys that are below minimum, like replacement level players at the three, four, five in our big rotation. I mean, we, we run such a tight rotation with the the bigs because we don't want to put Moses or Anthony in the game in a in a situation where he might they might kill us. So, I mean, though, going against the Lakers is going to be pretty pretty dangerous just because we are so thin at the bigs. But
0: but speaking of the bigs, one big who has really I think came to life and is performing how we all expected him to perform in a contract year is is this on white side and i think he is the elephant in the blazers room right now and will be up until that trade deadline because sage i don't envy what position neil Olshea is in currently i sent out a tweet from the holy Backboard account um asking you know it's December twenty third, and Hassan is putting up fifteen point seven points on sixty one percent from the field, thirteen and a half boards, and two point seven blocks per game, and he's doing it by posting nearly a twenty six per. And in in, and, and in like
1: thirty minutes, not like a forty eight minute yeah. like outburst.
0: And so it's like, what are you doing? Are you keeping him? And you're going to roll with him the rest of the season? See if it's possible that they. They, meaning Nurk and Hassan, can coexist with one another. Do you trade him because you know Nurk's your your You're starting center, and mm-hmm. they both? Yep, they both have alpha per personas, and probably neither would be happy coming off the bench, or do you just have no freaking clue? And 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 right now. Uh, 41% say trade him, uh, 32% say keep him, and 27% say I have no freaking clue. So that just shows you how split this is because of how well Hassan has been playing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it has to be uh, motivation
1: to not get traded to Cleveland, Uh, if you know what I mean. So (laughs) if you're in that GMC, are you actively trying to trade him? Are you listening, or is he just not tradable because of the position he plays and how well he's doing it what would you do uh, out of those three what are your what is your opinion
0: i think you have to actively be looking to move him only prepared to move him with the right offer so you're living i and mean I you're at least that, list, you have to listen oh you're 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 in between listening and But you can't shopping. trade him for dog um, shit no no you shouldn't trade him for for dog shit I think it's honestly going to come down to how quickly they think. Actually, overall, how much do they value mm-hmm. this season? Just in general, how much do they value making the playoffs, making a push? What what's their what's their gauge from one to ten on how important there's a lot this season of factors. Is. Obviously losing obviously losing Rodney knocks that down a couple. You know, Zach is a question mark, but you are getting Nurkic back. And winning in the playoffs is beneficial for the franchise for a plethora of reasons. Not only do you get more revenue, but you get a lot of momentum going into the next season, get a lot of experience. And the playoffs are fun Mm. for everybody. I mean, everybody loves the postseason. But you do have to think long term. And this is where it gets really dicey. The Blazers really aren't going to have a whole lot of cap space. Your assets are Hassan and Kent. And the player who's injured who's going to return your third best player in Yusuf Nurkic plays the same position Sage I I just think it comes down to Neil probably speaking with with Nurk probably speaking with Hassan's agent and saying Nurk's our guy we want to keep Hassan because of how well he's playing one is he going to be willing to take a a reduction in salary there's no way he's making 24 million dollars next year not not even by another team and two, is he willing to take a slightly smaller role and come off the bench? I think you have to find out the answers to that first before you make a decision. You can't just say, I'm tra- I'm dead set on trading Hassan Whiteside because of the impact that he can have. And if this were 2K, I would keep him because you don't have to manage egos mm. in 2K. And you talked about the Lakers being a terrible matchup. If you have Hassan and a healthy Nurk, it goes into a favorable matchup for Portland because now you can out-bully them down low. So it would be beneficial to keep him, but I'm not naive enough to think that that's what's going to happen and that everything's gonna be kumbaya. And it's also a lot to put on Zabian Lillard to manage even more, of, of more egos in the room. So it's just such a volatile situation, not in a sense of negative, but there's just a lot of moving parts, a lot of factors that really have to be yeah, you have to look at you, a lot of like no, factors. No stone can be left unturned when it comes to Hassan. And you know, I, I think if there's a deal that comes along that makes you better if it knocks your socks off,
1: you take it. Thank you, Hassan, for putting in this amount of work and yo, it this these statistics that he's putting up are helping the Blazers, but it's also helping Hassan Whiteside for future negotiations. And if a team's willing to trade real tangible assets for Hassan Whiteside, then absolutely we do it. It's just what we need to know all of the factors with the egos of our centers, but we also need to know what is offered. I'm not going to trade Hassan Whiteside for, you know, some other expiring contract cuz that doesn't help us but if it's someone that could help us in the long term I'm absolutely thinking it and when you were talking about all the players that were injured I was I was thinking there's 240 minutes played at each position so 48 48 48 48 48 we have three dudes that probably play 90 minutes 30 each if you want to just make the math easy so right now 37.5% of our team is out So when Melo is out for a game, that is another, like, the fact that we have 37.5% of our team not able to play currently or for a long period of time, it puts so much pressure on everybody. And when Melo gets his knee hurt or when Hassan's hip hurts, man, we are a brand new team when anyone else gets injured. It is such a thin margin of error for what we are playing with. And Damian Lillard has to step his game up so much more when we are missing one of those other players. Like that, this these injuries are an issue, and we need to be able to be very versatile of how we handle it. And Hassan Whiteside and Kemp Bazemore's contracts are a really beautiful asset for us uh, uh, to uh, make a trade if one. You know, knocks our socks off with an offer.
0: You know, I would say Portland you just needs to be careful on both fronts. One, you know how special Hassan can be. He's leading the league in blocks at 2.7 a night, just like he predicted in the preseason. And he's fourth currently in the NBA in rebounding at 13.4, with that number looking like it's going to continue to rise. Um, he has had so... Uh, just let me look at the, the numbers right quick how many consecutive double-doubles he's had because it's it's starting to get ridiculous in december he's had a double double every game Three, two, six. that's 10 straight double doubles um he he's he's just been incredible but then there's the flip side that the flip side of it is this is this on white side in a contract year we have seen this before we've seen it from him earlier on this season where it can appear that he's not going 100%. Now, you can add in the fact that he wasn't 100% healthy and it was taking him time to learn a new system, which I think are extremely valid valid points. But you can tell just from watching when Hassan is locked in and when he's not locked in. So that bears some weight in your decision-making as well. So the bottom line is I don't have an answer what Portland should do, but the fact that Hassan is even making it a discussion is good from Portland's records perspective because he is helping us get dubs and helping us get back into that playoff conversation.
1: Yeah. I mean, Hassan Whiteside right now, like is producing like a top five center. Like I'm looking at projections right now and he hasn't, like people are projecting him to get like you know ten points, ten rebounds, and he crushes it every night for the last month. Like you have to, you have to pay attention to when a player is just crushing every projection for his stats. Like he's he's going against good teams, bad teams, and producing. And yeah, like this is this is a good thing. The fact that he's crushing every projection in every you know statistical category now is great for us. And you know. It, Neil O'Shea is going to be put under pressure to do certain to to raise what he's willing to accept from from a team because of how well Hassan's playing and you know it, who who is more tradable right now with the Blaze for uh, Hassan or Kent Bazemore who who do you think is more tradable right now
0: from what. I've seen just in terms of the trades being discussed or the types of players and teams we would be dealing with, I still think it it's equal. It, it's all going to be salary relief. We would be providing salary relief and possibly either a pick or a young player ain't taking back yeah. a, a longer-term deal. So I, I don't know if somebody's trading for Kent or Hassan that they're like, okay, we're trading them with the intent, with the intent on keeping them. Just because if you're Cleveland – what are you going to do with Hassan Whiteside? You're in full rebuild mode. You're, you're trying to shed as much salary as possible. The same thing with a team like Detroit. God knows what the Magic are, are up to. That team looked like a hot mess on Friday night. Um, you, you just you don't know. Um, so I, I think it's still even. But what I would say is earlier in the year, it would have been harder to <laughs> move a Hassan Whiteside just by the way he was playing and with the perception of, of that he carried around the league but right now, he's really living up to his performance, and teams can see that. Oh, okay. So it, it's just all going to depend on what team you're dealing with and whether they, they value them long-term. Or are they just looking for salary relief? Or are they looking for maybe a even you know, a possible playoff, playoff push rental like we got with Ennis Camp you know, and know, Hood last if, year?
1: If you ask me, I think it's easier to move Kemp Bays more because they're smaller salary ones. There's a lot of good bigs in the league. The, opportun- the opportunity cost of trading for Hassan Whiteside is a lot harder to get to than trading for a Camp Bazemore. Just because you have to play these guys. So it would be easier to play a plug and play a small four that can ball out defensively and hit a wide open three. Because, man, there's just so many good bigs in the league right now. So many skilled, talented bigs. So finding...
0: Which, by the way, shout out to Kent, who has really picked up his game lately. Um, Chase down blocks have been a staple, but he's knocking down that three consistently, taking less shots off the dribble. Uh, I would say playing much more within himself than what he was trying to do earlier on this year, becoming Mm. a a legitimate asset that I I would be happy, you know, if Kent were our our backup two next year and we have, have his bird rights as well. So to me, Kent is an easier player to keep because he's a plug plug and play right away next year it it doesn't cause any it doesn't cause any issues Yeah, cj and dame are the starting backcourt i mean that that's set in stone and kent knows that uh he was a bench player for he's been a bench player and he's been a starter he doesn't really have the the expectation that i'm coming and i'm going to start when you're a guard and you get traded to portland you know what you're but i think
1: that that's why he's easier to trade Because of the plug-and-play potential and then him knowing his role. You know Hassan wants to have minutes and yada, yada, yada. I think Kent is an easier person to incorporate to a team and just to see if you want to keep him for multiple years or is he just going to be a one-year rental. I mean, shit. They're, They're both good players. It's just, what do you need? Do you need a shot blocking big? We got you. Do you need a a wing defender that can hit a wide open shot and put pressure on the best player on the opposing team? We got Kev Bazemore for you.
0: Sage, how much stock do you take when you're watching an opposing player that has been linked to Portland and trade rumors and they play and you come away unimpressed.
1: Rob Covington for example,
0: Robert Covington, Aaron Gordon, both of those players looked atrocious to be quite honest. Uh, Covington having that Shaq in the fool moment in the third quarter with you know blowing that breakaway layup off of his leg. Do you put any stock into that? Um I know you watch more opposing basketball than the majority of Blazer fans, myself included. So for a lot of us, this is our first or second time seeing them this year, or the only time we will see them play this year. So I guess, yeah, that's my question. How much stock do you put into these single game it, It's a single game, and it's, you
1: know, you got to look at the whole sample size. I know that this one game against Orlando or this one game against uh, Minnesota, is recency bias in people's heads, so you gotta you gotta look at the whole sample size before you say this guy's ass or this guy's ass because there's a lot of different factors. I mean, Orlando isn't doing themselves any favors with trying to trade Aaron Gordon with running out a lineup of Marco Fultz, Evan Fournier, Isaac, him, uh, Aaron Gordon, and Boos. Where's the spacing? So you don't you don't he doesn't look good. Uh, Robert Covington, did they have Cat that game? Cat, yeah, see. No. He got, he got no, but Covington got some open
0: looks, and that that form looked. Well, I mean that's the thing with
1: Robert Covington as a player, man. It's like he's disappears in games, and he doesn't rebound. So where does
0: his rep come from?
1: Is he still feeding off that Philly philly rep, rep? man?
0: I mean, yeah, I I just watched both of those players, and I was like, okay, yeah, I would I I would think they would do better in Portland's system, but I'm not itching and 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 scratching to dump players off of our team to get them.
1: Us against small forward and power forwards. How well do we defend those positions compared to you know other positions? They they could have had big games and it wouldn't have swayed me either way because you got to think about the Portland as a defense. We let players like Aaron Gordon and Robert Covington have games and this happened. They didn't. I mean, neither of those dudes were high on my list. Robert Covington was. So who's high on your list then?
0: So what you, what's What's Santa Sage's Christmas list for the Blazers before the deadline?
1: I, I hate Blake Griffin because he looks injured and he doesn't have lift and doesn't play games, really. And when he does, he's just taking shots and sucking. There's a lot of people that aren't on my list. I don't know. Like, I'll talk myself into whoever, but right now they're really – like, the players that are on, on – Blazer's wish list. I'd... Who's on your wish list? That's why it's called a wish list. Oh, shit. Give me Dematis the bonus. He's, he's consistently good. He'll he, He's not, he's not going to give you those high ceilings of, like, 40 points, 20 rebounds, but he's going to always be consistently good. Like, you don't think of explosive games for Kawhi Leonard, do you? You think he's this he's going to get me 20 points, 5 rebounds, uh, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. That's locked I think Demonis Bonus is like that. He's not going to give you the highest of high games, but he's going to be highly consistent and for the Blazers being highly consistent is really valuable. I love Bam Adebayo. I don't think we could ever get him. Um, but give me Demonis. He's been absolutely killing it. I don't know what the trade would be to get them honest, but I would absolutely do it without any hesitation. But I'm out of the ones that people talk about. I guess Kevin loves my favorite, and I'm not really that happy about it. But like give me a Sabonis, get me a guy like that produces consistently for for their team and I'm pretty happy, but those high variant players that people talk about with or with uh Aaron Gordon, Rob Cove, uh miss me with that shit. We probably get just as much production.
0: I mean, didn't we just get didn't we just move on from high variance players and Moharkless, Evan Turner, and Alpharukaminu? Like we we've been there, done
1: that. What in Aaron Gordon's physical profile is different than Alfarucuminu's? I mean I think he's more athletic. Okay. How do we... he's bigger When becomes comes, how is that gonna help us when we're running at a much slower pace?
0: I'm not. I'm. You asked me what's different. I told you what was different.
1: Yeah, I mean, so so it's not. I I don't think that Aaron Gordon on this team is that much different than Alfredo Camino, and he gets, it's getting paid a whole lot more.
0: I don't think Aaron Gordon's a better fit than Carmelo Anthony,
1: and Carmelo's getting
0: paid like – 2.85 million. Yeah, like or minimum. I don't even know
1: if it's two, Yeah, so like ten percent as much as Aaron Gordon. Like, I I yeah. So to answer your original question, no, I don't take the games against Portland as a bigger, uh, a bigger game than the sample itself. One, yo, one game is such a small sample size. Let, let's think. Yogi Ferrell looked amazing in that one game against Portland. Are you going to give him a fucking eight million dollar contract to be your backup point guard? No. You got to look at the whole before you look at that one individual sample size. Anything can happen in one individual sample size. They're NBA players, they get hot. You know, it, 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 for me, it doesn't matter. But who is on your wish list for the Blazers to trade? I mean, that's,
0: that's a tough one. And I, it goes back to how much do I value this season? And the answer is very little. Um, I'm happy when we win. I'm not devastated when we lose. Uh, as long as we here, here's my philosophy as long as we don't get injured and as long as our core players look good i don't care about the result now if we're losing and moving up those lottery standings but damon cj look like shit i don't feel good about the future of this team because one lottery pick and the next fall isn't going to automatically make damon cj damon cj again I need to see them look good. It's like, okay, like I'll I'll be I'll be happy with wins over the Magic and the Warriors if Dame and CJ are gonna put up 30 plus both games because I know that's what they're capable of. And then you factor in Nurkic, then you see, you know, incremental developments from Nasir. Anthony's starting to work out of his probably almost about a month-long slump right now, and then you start to see, okay, well, I loved what I saw from Rodney Hood. I loved what I'm getting from Kent Bazemore lately, and you have a couple of trade assets, and so you, you feel good about the future. So that's how I look at the season. So any move that I'm looking for is going to be long-term. If you made me say right now I'm probably going to trade Hassan Whiteside just because I do not think that he and Nurkic can coexist, Nurkic is obviously the guy. I mean, he, he's younger, he's on a better deal, he fits in with the offense a little bit better, he's he's it i mean i don't think anybody in the organization will will tell you different so i look and i see if i can find a guy like kevin love i'm not saying kevin love but i think you need to find a veteran player who is consistent like like you mentioned someone who is going to give you what you expect on a nightly basis um i think lamarcus aldridge fits that bill pretty decently especially if you put him in with nurkic and you get him to play some high-low. LaMarcus loves I know he's not having a great year in San Antonio, but frankly, no one in San Antonio is having a great year in San Antonio. And that's, that's a guy who has another year on, on his contract. So whatever we move for Hassan or Kent, it needs to be someone that's going to stick around on this team. Um, I think I discussed it on a podcast or two ago, but I, I want battle-tested players in here that a guy, you know, I've been on Jay Crowder since since I saw that he he moved over to Memphis. Everyone wants to talk Andre Iguodala, but I want to get guys like Jay Crowder who have playoff experience, they know their role, and they're on a bad team, which means you could probably get them for expiring contracts and second-round picks. I mean, you, you saw what Utah just did. He's in shape. And you saw what Utah just did uh, minutes before we recorded this podcast. They kind of did a Rodney Hood type of trade. They went to Cleveland. They gave up Dante Exum, who has been a mega bust, a couple of second round picks, and they're taking a flyer on Jordan Clarkson, who looked really good in Los Angeles, playing with no pressure. Went to Cleveland and were on a couple finals. Didn't, he was a shell of his former self. They are trying to recreate the magic he had in Los Angeles. Portland did that same risk and it paid off in dividends for Rodney Hood. That's the type of move that I, that I want to make. It's someone on a bad team that's probably not going to cost you a lot? We would be extremely foolish to trade Anfernee Nasir, uh, that first round pick, for a guy like Blake Griffin. I mean, that that's just not what's going to make this team a good uh, a good fit. And you, you've called it out consistently over the course of this podcast is. We only have one basketball. We need players who are going to be low usage, high production and can do more than just score. I mean that's why Zach fits so well is because he can he plays defense first. Nurk the same way too, defense and rebounding. He doesn't need a lot of looks. Our guards take the bulk of the shots. So long story short, we just need players who are battle tested and they're going to know their role and make this team cohesive 1 through 12 like our team was last year and frankly sage we have not seen dame cj rodney zach and nurk i mean that is a really good five i don't think we need this this mega third star to come in and save us and make this big three i think portland has their big three and and they've got the role players around him i would just continue to look for more role players that's what the blazer teams of old that have deep success they were basically 10 deep and you just were able to keep throwing talented bodies at the opposition in waves and you wore them down. And, you know, we're, we're a small market. We, we've got our superstars. I don't think we're going to go out and magically get a Carl Anthony Towns or, you know, a Joel Embiid, not like they're available, but we're not going to trade for that. Like We don't have the assets to even get someone uh, of that nature. So I think we just need to be realistic in our expectations of what we're going to bring back. And... Don't fall victim to groupthink. Just because a lot of people are mentioning a Covington, a Gordon, Otto Porter, etc., doesn't mean that's the only player Neil O'Shea is out there targeting, or that Portland should target that player at all.
1: And does Neil does Neil make those type of trades the 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 Robert Covington trade? Who like he he wants to find players that are multi talented and don't disappear. Like yo, you saw Robert Covington have a basement.
0: Well also game, I think Neil like, also pulls trades out of left field. Nobody thought he would go after Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood was a player. Yeah, Rodney Hood was a player who had to a- agree to the trade. No one thought NS Cancer would be a buyout candidate. You called it with Nurkic. We not only got Nurkic, we got a pick out of it. Nobody saw these deals coming. And I think that that's what you're going to see. Probably you're going to look at teams that have a big bill salary cap wise and maybe they have a free agent coming up that portland would get their bird rights and they feel comfortable in being able to... oh i was thinking like mantras harrell because there was rumors that he oh she, you know the, rumors that yeah, he they would, would be in on the house. block because of how, how much are, he's yeah, gonna get so i don't think they'll trade him they would be foolish to do that but I, the basis stands: if portland felt like they could get an expiring contract and they would want to resign them for big money Essentially, if it was Hassan and maybe played at a different position, um, they they would go forward and do that. So th- there's not a, a name out there uh, I, outside of Jay Crowder that, that I've really been passionate about. But
1: would Jay play the three or the four this year? Both, and that's the that's
0: the beauty. That's the beauty of it. You get positionless basketball where you just throw a bunch of just guys out there who want to scrap like we need more west matthews ed davis players on this roster and i think that that's going to get us over the hump like we we've got our core i mean that that is the good news here we've we've got the puzzle almost complete but we just got a few that we got to fill
1: yeah exactly neil just has to identify the the play style and the archetype that he needs and then find the players in those archetypes that can do those singular things so if we need a d and three there's jay crowder there's uh numerous people i'll give you a name that just came
0: up to me and we were texting about it a while ago i would see if neil could raid denver again because they've got too many players they need to make room for michael porter jr I would go after Malik Beasley. He's racked up a couple of DNP's. I really liked what I saw him last season. He kind of disappeared a bit in the playoffs, but he looks like that prototype backup he's a player. player who's going to come in and give you offense, and that's what Portland needs off of the bench. So,
1: and he's hyper athletic. We we don't have a guy that that is that athletic.
0: So those are the type of guys like find players who maybe produced last year and they're not this year and find out why they aren't producing don't don't go after the guys that are super super high right now i mean that's why you
1: buy low sell high and if you actually do do this i'm going to give you a website that really helps me identify players that it, i would like the places to trade for or daily fantasy yada, yada yada it's called popcorn machine google that popcorn machine nba and it gives you all the data from the games so you can look at rotations and why these rotations happen. Did, did Malik Beasley get extra minutes because of these factors or was it because he was so good? So check out popcorn machine. I, shit. I don't know what the Google popcorn machine NBA, and you'll get these tables that really help you see what happens. Cause I know people will box score. Watch, look at popcorn machine stats and the game flow. Because game flow is so important. they have, Players have rotations. But when you get extended rotations, there's a reason. Popcorn Machine helps you find the reason for the rotations. Sage,
0: both of us went 3-1 and one on the last week's prediction. So shout out to both of us for You're finally up. starting... No, well, I didn't catch up because we both went three and one.
1: Fair enough, but you're starting. To, your record's starting to look better, so in that way. Yes, so getting... I mean,
0: I definitely am looking better. I am 13 and 17 on the year. You are 18 and 12. You incorrectly predicted we would Magic. lose to Orlando. I incorrectly predicted a loss against Phoenix, but Portland won them both. And we have a very interesting three-game week tonight against the Pelicans day after christmas in utah for the first of four against the utah jazz this season and then saturday a game i will be attending against the los angeles lakers the second of three matchups this year sage kick us off with the new orleans pelicans since that is your sister squad
1: so right now i have a bunch of Damian lillard cj McCollum, and hassan whiteside on my daily fantasy teams the Pelicans are one of the worst rebounding teams, so Hassan's going to get his that way. They don't defend the rim well, so that's also how Hassan gets his. Damon, CJ, they don't... There's only one Drew Holiday on the court and the other person's getting a uninspired Lonzo ball defending him. I think I, I think that it's a good spot for both of those guards to get biz because the, Drew can't play 48. And uh, so... I, I expect that this is going to be a ceiling game for at least two and probably three of our big three. The Mellow signing – or the Mellow uh, injury stats does kind of concern me because the last time we played, they kind of ran a box in one up against the Blazers because Dame was out. So that,
0: Yeah, that was also Carmelo's first, first appearance. I thought he did laser. fine.
1: I honestly thought he did fine taking advantage of Pelican's small guards and post. But you – I mean – if Melo's not there, you can cheat off of Kent Bazemore and Mario Hozonia or Anthony Tolliver. So having another legitimate option as a scorer and as a person you have to defend is going to help us. Uh, fast pace, Pelicans throw the ball, o- turn the ball over a lot, but they do force turnovers. So be careful on the passing lanes. Um, and Brandon Ingram and Drew Holiday are those consistent two that will always get their production. The rest, it's all a question mark. I also think Derek Favors is a good game because the uh, Alvin said he's playing 26 minutes a game now. So they're finally going to play their defensive center 26 minutes a game.
0: So Portland did lose the first matchup in New Orleans, 115-104, to 104, back on november 19th as you mentioned damian lillard did not play he was dealing with back spasms portland was initiating carmelo anthony into the starting lineup and we still had rodney hood so basically you can throw i think that game out portland is on a four game win streak the pelicans have lost uh Nine of their last 10, 7-23, have won just three of their 15 road games. Uh, I think the Blazers are focused and have realized the benefits of playing cupcakes and beating cupcake teams. I, I think they take this one serious. I think they want to probably... It wouldn't surprise me if Terry Stotts put this as one of those uh, incentive games. You win this game, you get Christmas Eve off with your family, no practice at all, and then we'll fly out Christmas Day to go to Utah. You lose, okay, we're going in the gym on Christmas Eve, so I I wouldn't be surprised if Terry Stotts motivated them that way. I have got the Blazers winning this one uh, with or without Carmelo Anthony. I think Hassan is going to have another monster night. We're gonna get another double-double. don't be surprised if he gets seven or eight blocks again. Just the way he has been playing, I would continue to ride that horse. So, that's what I've got. What do you got, The one Sage? thing I
1: will say about Derek Fabers being back is that he took the defense from I another small sample size, obviously, but he took the defense from bottom five to top five just in those two games that he returned. So, it, it, our defense is still ass, but it's better than absolute ass. It's just okay. So, uh... Blazers win this one. And there
0: we go. That's what I wanted to no, hear. Why
1: would I Why would I say, I'm trying to kick your ass and pick I'm not going to take the Pelicans when everything I just said is pro Blazers.
0: <laughs> I'm just giving you shit, my man. Up next, to me, the most important game of this, this week uh, against the Utah Jazz, a team that has struggled mightily. Yes, they've won 5 straight. They're 18 and 11 on the year 6th in the West, but they're experiencing uh, road problems yet again w- 7 and 8 on the year on the road. It will not impact them on this night as the game is in Salt Lake City, but Sage they have not gotten the production out of Mike Conley. Isn't he hurt
1: right now? Th- He's on the injury report. He he is, but over the course
0: of the season, I still don't think they've. No, he doesn't. He's want. not scoring
1: yeah. enough and he's not passing enough. And he's doing just enough of those two things that I just said to really negatively affect uh, Donovan Mitchell. So, you know, it, in theory, it looked like a perfect match of uh, Donovan and Mike Conley, but it looks like those two are directly affected, negatively affecting each other. So without Mike Conley, Donovan has more run. He has more of a runway to do things. And then you see Joe Ingles actually step it up in the last few weeks. And uh, Bogdanovich is really, really good. So I think Mike Conley being out is a good thing for the Jazz, just so they know who's number one, two, three, four, five. And... uh the Jazz defense, isn't it? A-
0: yeah, I think I think you're right though. I th- uh, shams uh, Sharnia on December eighteenth said he's expected to miss multiple games due to a left hamstring. We all know how long hamstrings can can linger, so I would expect. Let's assume he's not playing so in this I, contest.
1: Donovan Mitchell gets more usage rate and gets to run things. Um, the one thing I, th- I think that needs to be said about their defense is that it's not the Utah Jazz defense of old. You absolutely can score on this team. They're like the twentieth ranked or the tenth ranked defense, not the first. So don't be afraid to attack the basket. I think Hassan's going to have a good game. I think Damon CJ attacking this the the Jazz defense is going to be good. And they don't have the depth that scares me. It's Jeff Green, uh, Royce O'Neill, and oh Jesus, Jesus. So I mean, like the, attack their bench. This is where we really need to have Anfernee and Nasir and whomever to have a good game, because I think I think we keep pace with the uh, the Jazz, goddamn Jazz starters. But I think if we can get Anfernee to have a ceiling game and produce more, I think that becomes a very uh, valuable thing. I think it, it's in Utah. That sucks. That. Oh, man. I think Blazers win. Screw it.
0: So I am really looking forward to the Hassan-Rudy Gobert matchup down low. I think whoever can control the glass is going to end up winning this game. Dame always plays well in Utah. Portland. In the preseason after after getting humbled by, by phoenix went to utah both teams were, were basically at full strength and portland handled handled their business and i know it was preseason but it, it was full strength on, on full strength and they are obviously going to be without mike conley yes they have length when it comes to royce o'neill and donovan mitchell but if portland can beat that first line of defense because you know they're going to use gobert to trap the perimeter so this game is going to be predicated. Can Dame and CJ work the pick and roll effectively with Hassan? And can Portland get buckets going to Carmelo Anthony against Bogdanovich? I think those are the two areas that Portland can make Utah pay. I'm going to go win here as well. I, I, I think Mike Conley being out, he usually always plays extremely well against us. Neither team has a great bench. I think our best players are better than their best players. And... You know, hopefully we just ride the momentum. Um, I do think it is going to be extremely close. It, it I hate that it's the day after Christmas because that's just a tough game mentally to to focus on because there's so many other important things that are non-basketball related. But you know, I, th- I think that the Blazers are starting to ascend in the right direction, and Utah it is ripe for the picking. And why I say this is the most important game is if the Blazers do have any aspirations to get up higher than the seventh seed, Utah is next in line, and they are five back in the lost column. You know, you win, you're only four back. You lose, you're obviously six back. So that's a two-game swing. Uh, Portland really needs that one. And wait, wait, wait. I got to I gotta cap question. the
1: week. Rank uh, the importance of Dame CJ and Hassan in terms of who we need to step up in those in that particular game. Uh, Hassan, Dame, CJ. Uh-huh. I was thinking dame hassan cj but i know I, is the, why i say that is
0: do you remember last year in utah when nurk had his like ridiculous i think it was his five by five game mm-hmm. we were able to come back and beat them because he destroyed gobert in in that matchup you you know what dame is going to get that that's why he's so brilliant is because he's so consistent and you if he gets 30 okay that's kind of expected but if you can get a ceiling game from Hassan against their best defender, that sways the pendulum so much in our favor that you add on Damon CJ doing what they normally do, and, and, it, and it's lights out closed curtains.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Um, Lakers, right?
0: Last last game of the week, the Los Angeles Lakers, a team that they are expected to get LeBron James back for Christmas against the Clippers, but he recently sat out uh, Sunday His night first game against ever the Nuggets this season. The the Lakers, after starting out twenty four and three, have lost three straight games. Uh, they do feast on the the lower record teams, and right now Portland would be one of those squads. They absolutely handled us on December. Ooh, excuse me, December sixth, one thirteen to one thirty six. Again, that was the game Rodney Hood went out with the injury in the second quarter, which I thought kind of deflated everything. Everyone, everything. And this this could be a game where Portland could be coming in on the six-game win streak, and you might just catch the Lakers napping. I think that is your best chance with this one right here, Sage, is you just catch them off guard.
1: And you talked about the injury issues. Uh, Anthony Davis has had the Q tag every single game this year. He's been a Q tag he, He's
0: banged up, and you, they, I think that may bite them
1: come March-April, Sage, if they don't rest him now. I don't expect them to rest him this game, but it's not as a non-zero. Like if there's a chance that it absolutely happens, mm-hmm. but for, I saw it on Twitter. People were talking about Anthony Davis with the Q tag for Christmas. My brothers and sisters, you got to watch him every single day. He's got that Q tag every game and plays, but yes, I, I think eventually they need to rest him. I don't think it's this game. Um, with LeBron and AD, they just have so many bigs and we, I, there was a national TV game against the Matt, uh, the the Heat where they just ran three bigs. If you want to include LeBron as a big, and just overpowered a smaller Heat team. You can th- that their that form is out there to dominate us because we only have one big as well. So this this is one of those teams. It, something crazy has to happen for us to win. So I'm going to go Lakers victory this game. Uh, what say you? You take a shot.
0: I think this is a tra- I think this is a trap game for the Lakers. And hear me out, they get the showdown on Christmas. Okay, everyone, everyone's waiting for LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Paul George rematch from opening night, which the Clippers Clippers won. Then the Lakers travel up to Portland on Saturday. That is their only away game. After that, they play five straight at home. Portland is also the first night of a back to back, so it's, it's just a one game stop sandwiched in between the Clippers and the Mavericks the Mavericks already beat them they they ended their 10 game one streak earlier in the year at Staples and they got hosed out of beating them in Dallas even earlier in the season after Dwight Howard wasn't called for that moving screen on the game tying uh, three-point shot to send the game into overtime so you know Clippers and Mavericks are two of the six teams that have beat the Lakers this year LeBron's not 100%. We could be riding a six-game win streak. The Blazers historically have always at least won one game against the Lakers in the Rose City. You've got... I just like to think of this as a clean slate. Obviously, what happened with Rodney was unfortunate, but there's not a whole lot to take away because we were pl- playing at least with them through through mm-hmm. that injury, up until that injury ad was having a big night as we expected but you know you f- f- fuck it sage like for no other reason than i just can't stand the goddamn lakers uh dame's gonna drop 42 cj will go 30 again we'll get 20 and 20 from us on Mello will chip in probably a cool 19 and you know ant will give us you know 13 so off is the ant gonna we'll, be that we'll... x
1: factor is his
0: the, the whole team? Okay. Everyone wearing red and black is going to be an X factor. You know, we just need to beat the Lakers. Like, let's just get it done, um, catch them off guard, and, and keep keep this thing rolling. That that would be the ultimate Christmas week if, if you're a Blazer fan. If if we could just go three and zero, I I think that is asking a lot. But you know, when you break it down individually, game by game, it's plausible. And I think that's how the Blazers have to approach the season is one by one. What do we have to do? And, you know, I, I know the Blazers were, were probably embarrassed after that performance. It was on national television and they were probably hurt, too, because uh, of what happened to Rodney. So so is this they know they know our fans get up for this game. So I, I just don't think they're going to let it if we lose it. I think it'll be. close. So game.
1: is it better for the Blazers if they lose on Christmas or win on Christmas?
0: I mean, no. You you all you'll always take a win. If I'm being honest, no, no, no. no.
1: If the Lakers lose that oh, Christmas game, I thought you meant us. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know what? I I just I don't know. I mean, one one way says if they lose, they're they're going to continue to lose because that's four straight. Or if they lose, they're going to be even more focused. If they win that could get them you know their momentum rolling again or if they win they could go overlook us there's just mm. there's a of I, I i don't i don't think it yeah there's too many what ifs for me to say either way that it's going to
1: you can check us out on itunes google play uh himalaya podcast stitcher uh we're gonna be there on tuesdays two to three on dash radio nothing but net radio one i think during this vacation that i'm giving myself i will create i will upload this to youtube so check us out there i'm going to create a blog uh so check out some writings i didn't want to nerd it out too much on this podcast since we already nerded out quite a bit so uh check out all of the content the holy backboard is creating and wherever you may be this is bill shinley good night everybody
0: let's